You're listening to Off to Market with Scott Farley and Hamish Chadwick. Hi, I'm Hamish. And I'm Scott. And today's theme is called the jumping off point. Scott, do you want to lead us in? Surely. Um, so what, so are we talk- what are we talking about? Well, we, the last, uh, last podcast we talked about the um, briefing proposal and how we um, pl- plan and map that out and you'll have a cost and you'll have a, an outcome and the lead times all mapped out for you. So once you've taken that all in, um, you can sort of decide whether you want to go forward. And this is a, the sort of situation where you decide whether you're going to go on holiday so we're talking about travel again. <laughs> <laughs> Shooting off the rocket. Uh, or you're going to start this project and take on all the um, fun and adventure of uh, developing a product, which is something that's fairly unique that not many people get to do in their lives. So, uh, you know, even whether we've had successful or, or, or failed product projects, people have always enjoyed the, the process and the adventure of it. Um, so this section here, market uh, product and intellectual property research, for me, this is all about defining the product needs and mitigating risk uh, involved with taking the project on. So if you decided to go ahead, we're going to start this sort of section where I do market research, I do product research, and I do intellectual property research. So the first part, market research, what I'm trying to do there is really find out what my, who my market is, who's going to buy this product. Um, and what, the way I do that is I really just go out and look at, look at who's going to be buying this product, what they're willing to pay for it, what their mindset is, get into their psyche, and try and walk in their shoes. And then by doing that and not focusing on other products that do the same thing, you're really just taking things back to base principles and solving the problem for the, for the market. And so in that process, I can sort of walk in someone's shoes and define all the needs and wants of that project. And once they're all listed out, then you can start sort of mapping um, the product out mm. um, to where it should go. So I'd just like to ask Hamish, um, I mean, for me, from a product development point of view, it's all about technology and, and trying to fulfil the needs of the market. Hamish would have the same sort of situation, trying to tap into the psyche of people when he develops a, a market strategy or yeah. a logo or a, or a brand. Yep. We've had a situation, rec- situation recently, and this is how I met Hamish, was I'd been to a number of consultants um, who do naming and logos and graphics, and we had a product which was very unique. It's never been done before. It's you know in an area that's very crowded so it had to have a name that stood out and it had to be very very relevant and uh, we just couldn't get it everyone was just off mark and I, I met Hamish he um, took the project on and he killed it absolutely nailed that the name it's been really a part a really big part of the licensing program and the multinationals have loved the name as much as the product so I just like to ask Hamish I guess from your perspective how do you tap into the psyche and what are you looking for within marketing I know I can't do it, but you must have ways of going about that. Well, look, it's a very interesting question for me because uh, uh, Scott has often put me on the spot and said, well, what's your process? And it's it's an interesting one if you deal with these problems every day. uh, When someone asks you, how do you do it? I don't use a Gantt chart or anything like that. It's uh, the way I approach any project is to, first of all, you've got to immerse yourself in the concept, the idea, get to know what it's all about, grab a hold of it if you can, if it's a, if there's a prototype. But really, I look at it from a very pragmatic perspective. I, I look at the market where the product is going into and then immediately think, okay, someone has got a dollar to spend. Uh, the objective of the inventor, and obviously Scott as well, is how do we uh, separate that dollar from that person? How, do, how can we get them to take it off the shelf and take it to the counter and purchase it? Uh, it, so show me at, the money show me the money that's right um, 
And that's got really nothing to do with traditional market research methods. You've got to look at a product from all angles and look at how do we build an emotion to the product? How do we build a need to the product? That's really what you're doing, isn't it? You're really tapping into emotional triggers of well, the market. sometimes, sometimes. Whereas for me, I'm just... They're going to pick it up, touch, feel. I mean, there's also definitely emotional triggers to how things feel or how they click open or shut and everything. But well, I always you say really to, have to make these guys it, dig into their pocket. It, well, yeah, and the thing is, I'm, I'm, I'm very... Uh, I, I, I come with a huge... Uh, people that have worked with me know that you know I come with a huge dose of cynicism a lot of the time when I when, when someone comes to me with their baby and says you know, this is an amazing product the first thing I say well that's gets, that's amazing you think it's amazing uh, but how do we get the rest of the world to think that it's amazing and that is the trick there is being able to work out how you get people to actually even consider the product and what I mean by that is a people are people just going to walk past it on the shelf because it is unique the problem with something that is that it is unique is that they don't have any reference point and then on top of that depending on the price point that you need to sell that product at what the hell else could they spend that dollar on mm. so uh, when we when Mark, Scott was talking before about looking at the market uh, how do we put ourselves in the target market's shoes, I'll also put myself in the target market's shoes and say, okay, let's just say a product's worth two, three, four, five thousand dollars. What else is also worth two, three, or four thousand dollars? Is it a flat screen TV? So I've got to look at it from a uh, from a perspective that someone could spend the money on your product, or they could spend it on something else which they do know. Uh, are familiar with and maybe uh, they feel better about in their lives. Uh, you know, it's, it's, sorry, it's not what I feel better, but uh, something that they know uh, is a sure bet. I mean, a flat screen TV is pretty obvious. It's good. You can chill out. You can watch movies, whatever. Or they buy your product and it's going to make a, an aspect of their lives uh, easier. So, you, you know, I mean, you've heard of... Um, so, yeah, sorry, go on, Scott. Oh, there's a button there. <laughs> I had a question for you. Yep. Um, and I think I've seen it a little bit, but uh, with Unique, with, with a lot of our stuff, you know, if we have a, an issue with the product which we don't, we don't like, we either make a feature of it or we hide it. Um, okay. And I've seen with you, maybe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but with a Unique product, because it's got to stand out amongst the crowd, I, I feel like you might use a little bit of shock tactic in your in your marketing strategy. Is that correct? Or? Uh, how do you mean by, or, or by do shock? You, do you try into what, <laughs> you try and tie into the existing culture, or do you step outside and say, "Well, this is different, so we're going to make it obviously different by by calling this thing a certain thing that's, that's going to really make people stand up and listen and and, and, and see what's going oh, on." Oh, you, you, okay, that's a good question because you've got to create some balance. I, I, I like to use there's a, a term I use called key averages. Every market has key averages. So if you're if you're a taxi company. Uh, well, it's a bit old-fashioned these days, but let's just go back to that. Uh, you've got a phone number you can call or you can book online. So that, that's a key average in that industry. Every industry has it. Yeah. The, the trick with a unique product is understanding what the associated products in your market, if there are any, what those key averages are. You've got to satisfy those key averages and then you've got to build difference on top of that. You can't isolate yourself too much with a new product to the extent that people don't know where it works uh, how it works, more so, uh, where it fits in, and then you've got price on top of that, which is another subject altogether, is how do they relate that back to what they already know or think they know about your product? And that's why I just wanted to quickly mention things like SWOT analysis. Uh, if you, Most people have, uh, know what that is. It's a strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Uh, what I will say in, the, in this market with new inventions is that people get a little bit carried away and they do their own SWOT analysis and they'll come back 
and they'll, they'll say, oh, well, you know, there, there is no weakness to my product and there are no threats. But again, like I've said before, you've got to be look, thinking laterally about what other people can be spending their money on. And I keep this in mind all the time when I'm doing a naming project or a branding project for a new product is always bringing it back. I'm not trying to just push the differences because those differences may isolate it to a point where no one understands it and is not willing to part with their money. So that's the trick with the marketing there. You've got to be very, very careful. Yeah, I think I think with unique products too, especially if you're going to go and present to a multinational who sees hundreds of products a year, you know, the naming is critical. The logo is critical. It has to be 100% right, 99% at least. You know, with the product development, it has to be functionally perfect. It has to have a really good user experience. It has to be manuf- refined manufacturing-wise. It has to have everything ticked off and be really on the top, top level. Mm. Unless, you know, you, you walk into this meeting and you just get cut to pieces. So if, everything has to be done right. And I've seen it with, with um, Hamish's work. The stuff that comes back, I'm emotionally attached to the name that comes back to it, the logo and everything. And I think that's such a critical um, thing to have for this these sort of developments. The next stage, uh, I guess, that I do is uh, after the market research, I've, I've sort of walking in their shoes, I'm defining the project needs. I do product research and that's um, really to get a feel for what else exists that solves the problem. There's two reasons for this. It's not so I can copy it or make it better or whatever. I don't usually do that. I usually just start with a whole new set of criteria and do something unique and that's where the paintable aspects come from. But what it does, it gives you a price point. What are people willing to pay for a product in that, in that field? And it does also make sure that if there's a product out there that you might not have seen, you, you become aware of it. Because the worst thing you possibly do is start this project, develop a product up, and there's a bloody great product already there that does the same thing. And then obviously you're just wasting your money. So all about you know risk mitigation and building your product on rock rather than sand. Mm. And I'm sure that uh, Hamish, you do the same sort of stuff. You know, you got you got to look out in the market, make sure you're not almost copying the same sort of logo or, or product name, you've got to really differentiate it as well. Oh, well, again, I'll bring it back to the perspective I like to, to bring to a client, which is uh, if, if the product is unique, I know we keep talking about products that are unique, some, of the, some are just vast improvements, but that, is still, that still makes it unique, is your target market is getting along very well day to day without your product. What you're bringing to market is special. Yes, it will help them improve their lives uh, or an aspect of their lives, uh, potentially. But what you have to remember is that they're not using it today, uh, they're, they're getting by. So our job as marketers is to uh, fit that product into a niche, if possible, is to create need, uh, if possible. And also, again, it's about getting that shelf presence, if you like, to get people to actually pick it up. Just imagine you're walking along in a shop and you walk. they walk past this new product, they don't necessarily know what it is, but if you can create through language, through visual means, just the uh, just to spark their interest to actually pick it up and turn it over and read up about what it is. This is just a hypothetical. I mean, obviously you can, uh, people market on the web and you can, you know, do you want to go to the website and have a look and see how, see how good the product is? Even that in itself is a difficult task. So the job of my job in working with anyone that has a product that is unique is to just get the market to get an interest in it to investigate further because that is the next step. There's no such thing as you, you just release it, put it on the shelf and people buy it. That is, that is a pipe dream. You've got to build up momentum. You've got to be able to say, hey, this is the price and we want you to pay this. And they've got to feel as if there's good value in that. So there's a, there's a whole lot that's going on behind that to make sure that that, that can occur. So you've Creating got to... need. Yeah, so you've really got to... Yeah. 
get get to know your customer and buyer, their age group, you know, even where they you know, where they live. But what you've got to try and determine is what their priorities are now, and how do you work back from that point to say, hey, yes, this is this is something new. You've got to try it. It's a little bit expensive, maybe it's not expensive, but even so, it's new. You haven't got it. This is the reason why you've got to you've got to have it. Mm. All right. Um, so we've uh, we've researched the market. We know what the what the market needs. We've defined that the, we've defined the product needs. We've established there is a need in the market. We've done the product research, so we know that nothing else exists that's similar. So we, we we've actually got something to develop a, a hole to develop into. The next thing I do is a, an intellectual property search, and intellectual property is all about the patent strat, uh, the patent what exists what. Um, what, what we call in this industry uh, prior art is things that exist in the same field and you can start off very simply um, it's all about risk mitigation so again same with the product research if there's something out there that already exists there's two things you don't want to do you don't want to encroach on an existing pain because you can get sued and um, there's no point in developing a patent um, when there's a thousand products that already solve the same problem better than what you've got so we're trying to make sure that the project's, again, worth jumping into. So we look at the exist, existing landscape. So we go in there and we do simple things to start with. So I tell the client, go away and plug your product into Google Patent Search. It's just, a, it's just part of pay, uh, Google Search Platforms, just called Patent Search. Sorry, is that, it's, Scott, is that something that anyone can use? Anyone can use it free. So you just plug in Google Patent Search, and, and when you plug in a search under Google Patent Search, it basically just focuses on patents. Okay. And uh, uh, in in line with what you've got, what you've got, the key with that is um, you've got to remember that um, Americans will call um, lawn turf or sod, so you've got to <laughs> put different search characters in that might yep. uh, 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 relate to other countries because you're looking internationally, not nationally. So really, what you're saying to mitigate your own risk is uh, engage someone that knows how to use those databases. Don't expect to find perhaps everything that you're trying to look no, for No, I, I think it's very good to to try and be you know a lot of people will put a blind eye to it they won't look for something because they think well if I find something I've lost my project and my baby's dead but you just <laughs> got to go and do it you've yeah. got to do um, a, a classic example is uh, a couple of young lads walked in here and they'd spent way too much on a patent and were well done the track without a product and as they sat down before they the meeting I just did a quick Google search uh, on Google Shopping only, and I came up with 20 different products, which pretty much blew the patent that I had out of the water. It was absolute waste of money, and the money they'd spent on the patent so far, they could have almost got to prototype stage with a product that would have been, that I would have defined around that landscape. So I looked at the landscape to start with, all the other prior art, say this is all done, how can I add something to point of difference to that product in that area to give you a product to sell? And, you know, it was a real shame because they came to me after the paying attorney and then it was all us about face. Yeah, so it really goes back to my original point, which is you've got to surround yourself with people that you can trust, but you've got to question. you also also got to be very Any advice that you give. I mean, any advice that I give, question it. So question Scott. Yep. Yep, I and say no, attorneys and, <laughs> and anyone else. Question yourself, you know, <laughs> is this worth doing or not? Be critical. Um, so you can do a Google Paint search. You can do Google Shopping search. You know, if anything's worth developing it's it's and, it, and it's been developed it's probably on you know, on some sort of shopping platform online these days which is really really easy so, so really what we should be doing is, is going to wish or alibaba or, <laughs> yeah, or amazon exactly. amazon anything like that <laughs> yeah and just search it out yourself it's free and then basically you can go down to the shops that sell products in that field and go down the aisle and have a look if it's there well don't do the project if it's not there 
where you've got a hole to fill. Or correct me if I'm wrong. Sorry, even if it is there, and your, your job is yeah no. But if your your job is an industrial designer, you can. Uh, manipulate it and change it to such an extent that you could get a patent. Is Cer- that, is that certainly done that many times. Yeah. Um, probably not every industrial designer can do it, but inventive industrial designers can certainly do it. Yes. You have to have that level of invention. And an invention and industrial design are two different, completely different things. So don't get them confused. Industrial design is all about taking an invention and making it manufacturable and marketable. Invention is about coming up with new and unique ideas that are patentable. Inventive, a patent is only based on two things whether it's novel and whether it's got an inventive step. So this is all about whether it's novel. So we do the Google search, uh, we, we go to the outlets, we have a look, we make sure it's not being done already. And then what I also do is I will employ a professional at that point. Once we've done all those quick searches that is free and cheap, it's around about $1,500 to do a fairly elaborate search from a professional who can put in search terms and databases that like so I'm yet to find, you know, I've forgotten more than yeah. I'll ever learn about that sort of stuff. So you're talking about an intellectual property lawyer? An intellectual property search professional. Okay. So they're not a lawyer in particular, not an attorney usually. They're just uh, usually someone that sits outside those people and offers a service to them. It usually takes about a week, but it's really, really worthwhile because you then know that you, if something exists, you know how to get around it. If something exists and you can't get around it, you know not to do it because you don't want to get sued. You don't want to put all this money into a project and put it to market and someone goes, hey, I'm already doing that. You know, either stop doing it or pay me a licensing fee to do it. So that's what I, that's, that's sort of like this, this whole section is all about defining the project needs and mitigating the risk of going into the project, jumping off the, off the, uh, off the uh, plank right. <laughs> into the crocodile infested waters. That's right. Um, or you know, you know, just making a, a, an educated decision whether to project or whether to go for it. You've been listening to Off to Market with Scott Farley and Hamish Chadwick.